Uh, Jess is going to bring the word of the Lord to us this morning. And uh, yeah, come on. Um, we'd really like to create a platform for her um, by receiving her and receiving the word that she's carrying and doing so in a spirit that says, you are a member of the family and so this is a safe place, a place for you just to kind of express yourself and uh, it will be received by us in the manner in which it's been prepared by you. So we really want you to know that. Stage is yours. So Mark's asked me to speak to you this morning um, on worship, which is going to be very interesting. Yay. Um, but before we do, um, I just wanted to kind of let you know a little bit about me. I think I kind of sit behind a keyboard every week and you can hear me sing, and so you may have opinions of my singing voice. Um, but apart from that, I don't know how much I know everybody, so I'm just going to kind of say hello. Um, and I, I prepared ten. I don't know if I'm going to get to the bottom of them because they get sillier as they go along. Um, <laughs> but um, firstly, my name is Jessica Verity Cordy. And uh, you're a privileged bunch to find that out because I never announced my middle name. Um, I'm 22 years old and I come from Derbyshire, which is possibly the greatest place ever. Because I don't know if you've noticed. No, seriously, Derbyshire's amazing. Because... Because you're like an hour away from everywhere. Nettle Hill, an hour. My family in Leicester, an hour. Leeds, an hour. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Like, wherever you want to go, it's like just over an hour. It's great. Um, I'm married to Ben Cordy, who can't be with us today. He's having fun on a stag weekend, and we've been married for just over two years now, which feels like a crazy long time. Um, I'm the eldest of three girls. Um, my little sisters, Emily, is studying in Liverpool, and Katie is still at school. Um, I absolutely love geography. It's quite sad. <laughs> love geography. I love the environment. Esther's dubbed me Sustainable Jess. Um, <laughs> and quite frank. And uh, there you go. That leads me on to my next point. That's why I came to Leeds. I've been here about four years now, and I came to study... Um, I started to study sports science, realised my passion for geography was just a bit too strong and, and hopped over. Um, so I've been studying geography and I'm about to go into my final year. Um, I also really love sport. I recently went to the Olympics, which was absolutely fantastic. I was there on the morning of Super Saturday, so we got to see Jess Ennis. I got to see the love of my life, or the love of my life, Usain Bolt, um, and the rising love of my life, Adam Jamili. So it was great! <laughs> um, I told you they get sillier. Number nine, I just don't tan. Like, I just don't tan. I have been in Barcelona for 10 days this summer. You wouldn't know. I just don't tan. Um, and then finally, tea is definitely better than coffee. <laughs> Mark Kelly is not looking happy. I promise you it is. Um, yeah, so just a few facts just to kind of get started. Do you know a little bit more about me? You know, I'm some crazy sport-loving person that will never tan no matter where you take me. And if you're going to have me around to your house, I'll have a cup of tea. Um, but as, as I said, Mark's asked me to speak on, on worship. And you may have seen me kind of, like I said, um, on stage. And I've been part of kind of musical praise and worship groups for about eight years now. Um, started when I was about 14. Um, I started by playing the flute. 
Um, then moved on to the keyboard, and then I don't know if you noticed, but um, if somebody isn't using their mouth to play an instrument in a band, they'll put a microphone in front of you, and that's pretty much how I started singing. <laughs> um, so that's been me. Um, but over eight years, I've had the privilege of hearing some absolutely fantastic um, kind of talks on praise and worship, and, and, and worship in particular. Um, and I've heard some fantastic lessons that have really benefited me and have kind of developed me um, as a person and as someone who kind of leads um, praise and song worship. You know, I've heard that um, worship is an attitude of heart, um, that worship is a lifestyle. It's something more than what we, what, we, what we do on a Sunday morning, that kind of act of praise and worship, that it's something more than that. Um, you know, I've heard and I've been taught about worshipping in spirit and in truth, and I'm still kind of discovering what that really means. Um, about worship being more than just singing, you know, the Matt Redman, ironically, song. I'll give you more than a song because the song in itself is not what you require. And I've learned so much about worship being more than just singing and that singing being an expression of that. Um, and I've learned about worship being a choice and being something beyond what I'm feeling. Um, and all those things, I promise you, they're really, really good. Um, and I want you to kind of keep them in mind because what I'm going to talk about isn't separate from that, but that's not my main focus. Um, so what I was praying um, and preparing for this morning, um, I was just thinking that all those things are about kind of how we worship or how we go about living a life of worship. Um, and I was just thinking, why do I worship? Let, hold on a minute. How do I do it? Back a step. Why do I? Why do I want to live a life of worship? Why do I want to make this an attitude of my heart? Why do I want to do more than just sing? Um, and that's kind of what I'm going to want to talk about. You know, I've kind of had a preacher's favorite dictionary moment and uh, looked and saw that worship um, means to ascribe worth to something, you know, to bow down and humble yourself before something. And if I'm going to do all that in my life, um, why? So I just want to encourage us this morning and give us some reasons to worship. Um, so, Mark, if you just press play, just listen to this. It's just a loop of a couple of lines of a song. So it's just kind of the bridge, so the repeated line of um, a Hillsong song. And it basically says that all of my life, in every season, um, you are still God. I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. And whether it's singing or any other form of worship, um, I just want to talk to us that we have reason to worship. We have reason to live a lifestyle of worship. Um, and that song, um, it's called the Desert Song, and it kind of goes through the stages of a person's life and talks about in the desert, God's still God, and all these different things. And I'm not necessarily wanting to talk about the season, um, but the constant bit, which is the reason. Why for the rhyming? 
Um, <laughs> um, so number one, and this is by far the most important bit, if you don't take anything else away, here is the nugget. I worship God for who he is. Above everything else, I worship God because of who he is. He is so good. Um, he's, he's worthy. He deserves our praises. And I promise you, you look through the Bible, wherever you go, you'll find that he is good, um, that he's worthy of our praises, that he's holy. Um, so I'm just going to read a few, few verses to us. Do you like my little color-coded sticky notes? Oh, come on, just, just a second for the sticky notes. Grand. Um, let me find numero uno. Okay, so in Psalm 89, verses 68, it said, For the Lord who in the skies above, for the Lord who in the skies above can compare with the Lord, who is like the Lord amongst heavenly beings. In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. O Lord Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. Um, and just a few things out of that verse. Who can compare to him? There is no one like him. If that's not a reason enough to live a life for worship, then um, to, you know, to boot, he's mighty and he's awesome and he's faithful. Um, and I'll just pick another one out. It goes two secs. So in 1 Samuel, um, sometimes called Hannah's prayer, Hannah says, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. And again, that we hear that he's holy, that there's no one like him, and that he's a rock. And I've just picked a few verses, but I promise you, flick through the Bible. It's all there. You know, hear testimony from other people. And I promise you, what you'll hear is that God is good. He is holy. He is worthy. And he deserves our praise. Um, in 1 Chronicles 16, it says... Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. And so already we're hearing that there's glory due, this, due his name, that he is so worthy, that he's so holy, that he's so good, and that glory and honor and worship is due to that. And like, if you don't take anything else away, just think about that, like how good God is and how he is my number one reason for worship. Um, I just, yeah, just take a second just, just, just to think about the goodness of God and, and who he is. Yeah, God, we thank you for how good you are. We thank you for who you are. Um, we thank you that if we had no other reason to worship, that would still be reason enough for how good you are. Amen. I mean, thankfully, I've got four more points, so it gets better. <laughs> Um, no, that, that is my number one reason for worship. But aside from that, I worship God for what he's done for me. Uh, you know, it says, For God so loved the world that he sent his son so that we'll not perish but have eternal life. You know, he sent his son for us. Um, it means that we won't perish and that we'll have eternal life. Um, and that is worth worshipping and that is worth praising because as well as just being God and kind of being almighty and being up here he, he kind of comes down and says um, I've done this for you and there's so much that we can be thankful for and so much that we can worship and praise him for um, in Ephesians 
It says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace that you have been saved. And again, I mean, you could carry on, you could carry on and just hear of what God has done for us, that we were dead and now we're alive, that we have been saved by his grace. And I worship God for all that he has done for me. I want to live a life poured out for him because he has done so much for me. Um, And there's just so many, so many good reasons to worship God. I'm just going to flick into the Old Testament and into um, Exodus. And um, I think this is just kind of one of the simpler, if you were, or more immediate um, examples of people worshipping God for what he's done. Um, So the Israelites have just been delivered um, kind of over the Red Sea, through the Red Sea, dry ground. Um, And it says, And when the Israelites saw the great power of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. And it goes on, and they, and they sing this song to the Lord of worship and of thanks. And that's just a really kind of clear and immediate um, example for me of why God has done something um, for his people, and they just turn and worship him. Um, and because of what he has done, and, you know, there are so many examples in the Bible of what God has done for us. You know, he's saved us, he's redeemed us, he sent his son to die for us, he created this fantastic world, um, you know, for us to, to live. And if that's not enough, I can tell you so many personal stories and testimony um, of how God has been good to me. Um, you know, I didn't necessarily have a big salvation moment where I was, you know, have this terrible wreck life or gone off the rails or anything and then God brought me. I don't have that massive divine moment, but in every day I know the things that God has done for me. I know that he has blessed me beyond belief. Um, simple things like I worry about everything. Um, <laughs> I just don't know how. And, you know, God's blessed me um, with a house really near the uni and I can't tell you how like, blessed that is because student rents are insane, right? They're insane. They're just so high, and you pay per room. And somehow, me and Ben found a house just in the perfect location for his work and for me going to uni um, that's unfurnished, which basically means that we get to fill it with our own stuff, and we don't pay per room, we pay for the whole thing, um, which brings the price down, like, straight away. And I'm just so grateful for that. And that's enough to make me worship and say, I've seen God in my life, and he is good, and and I'm going to worship. And it's just a small practical thing, but... I think if you look in your life, you'll definitely see those kind of, those testimonies um, of what God's done. So the Bible is full of them, and uh, your life will be full of them too. And if you speak to other people, I'm sure their lives will be too. Um, So kind of tying those things together, um, I guess number three on the reasons why why I worship God is um, when I think of what he's done for me and when I realize who he is that provokes such a response in me like I can't quite stay the same and I can't quite just say all right I'm just going to live my life you know when we realize what God has done for us and when we realize who he is and what that means to us um, that provokes a response of worship in me and it makes me want to live 
my life out for him. Um, and it says in Romans uh, 12 verse 1, it says, in view of God mer- God's mercies, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, I looked at a few translations. Um, some say, because he has shown you mercy. And uh, the New Living says, give your, God, uh, give your bodies to God because of all he, he has done for you. And there's just this sense of that in view of what he's done and because of what he's done, and when you realize that, and it kind of clicks that thing from being up here to in here, um, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Um, yeah, and I just think the things that we have heard about worshipping as a lifestyle and as a heart and worshipping in spirit and in truth, I think that when what God has done and who he is become real to us, that's when we can start implementing this next bit of worshipping in spirit and in truth because we need to know this, this God, this spirit. And... Yeah, I just think that when these things become real to us, it kind of it changes things inside. They don't just start kind of becoming facts and figures and knowledge. And that that stirs us to, to live a different life. You know, that's kind of what conviction is. It's about saying, all right, I realize it's done something to me here. And rather than kind of getting sad about it and kind of worrying or whatever, I'm going to live my life in worship to God for who he is and for what he's done. And uh, that's, that's why I live my life of worship. That's why I don't get it perfect all the time, but I strive to, to, to live a life of worship to, like it says, humble myself before God and, you know, give him the glory um, in view of what he's done for me. And because he's real in my life, because he's not a far-off God, but he's a God that came to save me, that he's sent his Holy Spirit to be with me. And I think that when you take kind of point one and point two and you add in the Holy Spirit and it changes something, that's when um, we can really truly begin to live kind of a life of worship and a life poured out for God. And I think that's when things like worshipping in the Spirit and in truth start to make sense. Um, But once that's changed for us, um, you know, Matthew 14, um, it talks about... um, when Jesus walks on water, Peter walks on water, and um, let me see if I can't find it. Okay, so basically, we're kind of at the point where um, Peter's lost his faith and is is starting sinking. And Jesus is like, you know, you have little faith, and 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 they both and come back to the boat, and it says, um, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And um, I just get this picture of, it's that real experiential thing, isn't it? Like, get, yes, faith asks us to kind of go beyond what we can see. Um, but these people here really experienced what, what Jesus had done. They'd seen something miraculous. And, um, and there's plenty of instances in the Bible where people have seen what God's done and it's become real to them, or they've seen this miraculous and what do they do? They turn and they worship him. And, you know, Jesus isn't kind of walking the earth today. He sent his Holy Spirit instead. And what that means is, you know, that faith might mean putting your trust in something unseen. And you might not get such an experience as seeing somebody walk on water. Um, but when faith becomes real to us, like I said, um, like, like it became real to them in that experience... Um, they bowed down and worshipped. Um, just kind of really enjoy that.
Gosh, I'm flying through these. Oh, not too bad. Um, I worship God to keep him in his rightful place in my life and to keep other things from being there. Like, I'll be honest, I need, to, I need to worship God, not only to keep him there, but to keep anything else from knocking him off top spot. Because if I just go about my everyday life without acknowledging him or without living my life in service to him, it is so easy for other stuff to just creep to the top. Um, you know, I've, I've kind of jokingly said I worry a bit, but seriously, like, if I don't keep God first, I fluster about the smallest little things, like things like whether the door's locked. Like, if it's trivial, I can worry about it. Um, and keeping God, who is the ultimate security, at the, top of, at the top of my priorities and making sure that I live a life that's got him as number one and as I said, humbling myself before him which means he's there, I'm there and everything else that comes with me and those worries or whatever it is come under that. Um, you know, in Matthew um, 6, verse 24 it talks about, you know, you can't serve two masters you can't serve God and money you can't love them both equally you, you just can't do it and you've got to put one first um, and I really encourage you to make it God. You know, money's a tough one for us all. I find money really tough one because we're, we're not on the, you know, the greatest income in the world. We've got a kind of quite a feeble income. And so I can really worry about money. I can really let it take control and say, oh, I can't spend this or I can't enjoy that. And honestly, I could just sit and not enjoy anything for worry about tomorrow, if you were in my tomorrow's needs. Um, but I can't serve them both. So I've got to choose to put God first. Um, and yeah, so, you know, I, I worship God to put him in his rightful place because he deserves the number one spot. I've, you know, we've heard about how he is God and he is good. And we've heard about the good things that he's done for us. And then we've heard about the change that makes within us. And so if I want to live my life for him, it's not always easy, but I've got to keep him first. Um, Looking in Psalms, in Psalm 135, um, it says, The idols of nations are silver and gold, made by the hands of men. They have mouths but can't speak, eyes but can't see, they have ears but cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. And uh, that's not the only time in the Bible that same passage of Scripture comes up pretty much identically. And... If we start to become like what we serve, you know, it says those who make them will be like them and, all, and so will all who trust in them. I don't, want to, I don't want to start looking like or being governed by what I serve unless that's God. You know, if I want to put my life before him and, and I want to be changed because of what I'm worshipping. Um, I don't want to be controlled by money or worry or whatever that thing is for you. Um, and I urge you to put God first um, so that you won't be enslaved by anything else. I think it's a great reason to worship, to put him first, to become more like him and to, to not have to be enslaved by anything else. I think it's a fantastic reason to worship and I think it will change your life. Um, and that smoothly moves on to uh, kind of my final, final reason um, why why I worship or why I try and live a lifestyle of worship. 
And that is because I am changed as I live a life of worship to God. Um, I can't stay the same by living this life because, as we've already said, you know, it brings you from death into life. Um, you know, it's turning around from your old ways and, and deciding to live a new way. And, and worship specifically is choosing to do that day in, day out and humbling yourself again and again and again. Um, I don't know about you, but I find humbling yourself brings a different perspective. You know, my life can't be the same because I've taken me off the top spot looking down at everything and put God up there and humbled myself before him. So already that, that brings me a different perspective on life. And, you know, like we were saying about troubles and worries, well, if I've lived in a lifestyle of worship, of humbling myself before God, then I'm in a different perspective to look at those things. And I know that there's something bigger and, and greater. And, um, yeah, it just kind of puts things in, and changes your perspective. Um, I'm changed when I worship because it costs me. This is, this is the sad part. No, it's great news, but it will cost you. Worshipping, you can't live, you know, if you want to live a lifestyle of worship with Jesus as your king, then some things have to change. We can't just kind of go on doing things, pleasing ourselves. And, um, you know, one of the first instances of worship in the Bible is where Abraham has to go and he thinks he's sacrificing his son Isaac. And he takes him up and he kind of gets it all ready. And then, and then God stops him and provides, provides the ram. And um, that cost him, you know, to, to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve you, I'm going to exalt you, God, I'm going to sacrifice. It, it costs us. And so I don't think we can stay the same because something, it costs us to worship God. We're going to have to give some things, you know. It might be a bit of time to actually spend time with him. It, it, I don't know what it is for you, that thing that you need to do to honour God and maybe honour your neighbour or whatever it is it's not necessarily going to come freely um, and so I'm changed because it costs me and um, yeah and as I've already said um, if I become like what I worship then I want to be changed to be more like Jesus um, I've just got this bit from the message um, And it says, all of us, nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like him. Um, I just want to repeat that last bit. Our lives becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like him. You know, worship and humbling ourselves before him is allowing him to enter our lives and to say, I'm not going to just do this. I'm not just going to go my way. But you, have, you can't worship him without thinking about him and acknowledging him. It's hard. It's really hard work to worship something you're not going to acknowledge in your life. Um, <laughs> and if we're going to acknowledge him and we're going to invite him in, then I think we're going to be changed um, into his likeness. Um, you know, I truly believe a life of worship is a life with God, not one separate from him. And, you know, I've been talking about bringing ourselves, kind of humbling our lives before him, but we can't do that apart from him. 
Um, and so if a life of worship is lived with him uh, and in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, then, then our lives will change. You know, I don't know about you, but when the Holy Spirit kind of first came upon me, something changed. And, you know, people liken the Holy Spirit to lots of different things, you know, a little moral compass, a little this, a little that, whatever it is. There is something different that says, hold on, or whatever it is. Um, and guides us in the right way, you know. The Holy Spirit is called a helper and a counsellor. Um, and so if we're living a life um, of worship, which I believe is in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, then we can't stay the same, which is great news, because I want to become more like Jesus. Um, so there you go. That's kind of from me, um, just some reasons why I worship. Um, you know, number one, and I think this is enough, I could have stopped there, but um, that God is God and he is good and he is worthy of our worship and he is um, worth living your life for. He is worth humbling yourself um, for. Um, but then he's also done so much for us as well. Like that wasn't good enough to be that great, to be that awesome, to be that holy. Um, He's done so much for us. He sent Jesus for us. He's brought us from death into life. He's really done so much for us. And again, what reason to worship? What reason to live a lifestyle of worship? And then, you know, if you spend some time thinking about that or if you really kind of see that evident in your life, then that's going to provoke something in you. And you don't want to do anything but worship. And it doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy, but it means that you know that's where you want to be. Um, and then you want to keep him center stage, you know, you've decided that he's, the best place for him is number one, um, and now I need to kind of keep, keep that going, I need to live that lifestyle more than just a Sunday, I need to take it through um, to keep him number one, um, and then it changes us, you know, living a lifestyle of worship, we can't stay the same, but I promise you, you get better, you know, that's the good news, is that it will cost us a bit, um, but we get we're transformed in his likeness and I don't think there's anything anything better than that um, so I kind of like preachers with like action points you know I like it that when people kind of you know you feel like gusto I want to go and do something um, and I guess if you do want to go and do something I just encourage you to keep living a life of worship. <laughs> um, you know, it's not, it, there's not kind of some massive point other than that. And that this morning, I just wanted to encourage you and to let you know that you have reason to do that. And if you're feeling down or you're finding that journey hard, um, just to let you know that there are some great reasons to worship God and to remind ourselves in everyday life of why why worship him and i've really enjoyed reminding myself um it's been a real kind of um, you know all this don't you like i don't think i've said anything crazy crazy new but to hear it again and to just be reminded encouraged that we've got a god who's worthy of worship that he's done so much for us um so i just encourage you to kind of continue that life of worship with this in mind um and if that seems just too hard if that just sounds like you've said some great stuff but that's all my whole life kind of thing you know I remember singing 
the potter's hand when I was about seven, and it says, take me, mold me, use me, fill me. I give my life to the potter's hand. And I sat there so scared, not singing a word. <laughs> I was like, mm, this one's big. Um, and I remember really, really clearly just reminding myself of these things about who God is or whatever. And honestly, I was only about seven. So I'm down here, chest puffed out, and started singing about halfway through after I kind of considered what it meant to me, and off I went. And I decided, like, in that moment, there was more than just singing to me, and off I go. Um, but if you're in that moment where you're like, oh, this, it's good, and I know it, but it just sounds a bit... <sighs> I get to know God, hear of the good things that he has done, hear of the good things that he is, learn of who he is, because I promise you that will change something, that will make this, these reasons kind of become real to you. And so if it is just a bit too tough or it just sounds good but not real to me, I really encourage you to get to know this God we worship because, and that doesn't mean that you don't know him. I'm not saying if you feel you need to go back and spend some more time learning who he is or learning what he's done for you that you don't know him. I'm not saying that. We all need to remind ourselves. I've been truly blessed by preparing this, just learning of the goodness of God. Um, so, yeah, I just encourage you to kind of live a life of worship, encouraged by these reasons, and I'm sure you've got multiple more of your own. Um, but also just spend some time reminding ourselves of, of who God is and how good he is, because um, I think that can unlock something and change something to make this all become that bit more real and something that we want to do. Um, that's kind of me. Well, she nailed it, didn't she? <laughs> Jess, that was so, so practical. And it really spoke out of who you are as well. So thank you for that. That was really, really good. And uh, can we have you again? Yeah. <laughs> Bless you. That was really good. <laughs>